Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn... You know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Larchek. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello. Hello to the Vegas Podcast. This week we're wrapping up. Our season previews with the Pacific Division, we've got J.D. Stiles coming to us as the NHL editor from CaliSportsNews.com to help us break it all down. We're going to go down the Vegas lane uh, with a basically a whole segment dedicated to the Golden Knights season preview issue with him. Um, so it's going to be a great show. Chris, good day to you, sir. Did you, sir? So, uh, just asking all the listeners to spread the word about the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Let your friends, family, fellow hockey fans know on, you know, all forms of social media. Uh, tweet the show out. Put it on your Facebook page. Uh, you know, continually trying to uh, spread the word about the show. Uh, so, we're going to do the opening face-off, my friend, and. Uh, Oh, before I uh, mention that, is uh, you can find the previous uh, division preview shows on the uh, GrandstandSportsNetwork.com. That's Grandstand Sports, as well as Russ Cohen's Sportsology SoundCloud page. Just go to SoundCloud, uh, search Russ Cohen, and you can find the shows. Last week we had Mr. Cohen on, Breaking Down the Metro. The week before, we had Chad Demnikis of the Hockey Writers, as well as Grandstand Sports. Uh, breaking down the Atlantic, and the week before that, we had the one and only Matt Pryor of the Hockey Warriors breaking down the Central. So, um, uh, so our segment, the first segment up, me and Mark are going to just break to give our prediction or well, how we think. More importantly, the season's going to go for the Golden Knights. So I'll let you start off, sir. Well, I'm Mark and and. Are you there, sir? Uh, great hot podcast. Yes, sir. Coming in not too good there, Mark. So while Mark's uh, uh, working on that. Uh, for the uh, audio issues. 
Yeah. So while Mark's doing that, I will uh, uh, kick it kick kick it off, if you will. Um, I think it's going to be a fun year for the Knights. Uh, obviously, it's the inaugural season. Um, when you you know these are not this is not your uncle's exp- expansion hockey team. Uh, they have you know a nice team. I mean, they have two good goalies in Flurry and Pickard. They have a lot of depth on defense. You know, they don't have a uh, they may not have a true Dowdy, but they they have they have a nice. Uh, uh, make, makings of a blue line, and they have depth at forward. So, um, I, you know, I, I see some building blocks uh, moving forward with this team. Um, Calvin Pickard's going to get, I think, an opportunity. Uh, he'll, I think, he'll play about 25, 30 games, and he's going to get an opportunity to show that he's not just one of their first two goal, uh, one of their goalies on the roster for year one, but someone who could be on the roster for the first few years of the franchise. And he's going to get the opportunity to, to show that. Um, you look at the at the blue line. I agree. Theodore, Nate, Nate Schmidt, and uh, that sounds much better. Uh, Shea Theodore, Nate Schmidt, Colin Miller. Uh, they're going to build around those that trio uh, moving forward. Um, they they had two high uh, first round uh, first round pick and a high second round pick on the blue line in in last June's draft. So. They'll be in Vegas before you know it, probably the next year or two. Um, after that, I think you're going to see a lot of veterans here for a year and come the trade deadline, move on. And then the forward position, you know, um, there are also a number of free agents uh, as well. So, I, you know, I guess the big concern for me out of the shoot's going to be, and I've mentioned this on a show prior to, is, you know, the first six weeks, the first 20 games of the season, this is – you know, a bunch of guys uh, who have never played with one another, uh, other than probably Riley Smith and a little bit of Jonathan Martha show in, in, in Florida, uh, and then and then you have um, you know a new whole new coaching staff, including Gerard Gallant. So most again, other than Riley, really Riley Smith, Jonathan Martha show really just played uh, under uh, Gallant last year for about 20 games. So um, so when I look at those two things. It, it says to me, well, how is this team going to get out of the blocks? Obviously, there'll be a lot of excitement, especially for the home games. So if they could be, you know, relatively near 500 through those first 20 games, I, I think that would that would be uh, excellent. Um, you know, even though they're pro- they're in, you know, the Pacific Division, which is not the Central and is not the Metro, uh, come the trade deadline, they're going to be a seller and not the bu- and not a buyer. Uh, it would be very surprising if that wasn't the case. So a lot of guys like Jason Garrison. I agree with that, and, yeah, a lot of guys like Garrison and, and you know, uh, I'm just looking at the at the list here. You know, maybe maybe they keep either Neil or Perron, or maybe they move both of them. But, again, I think they have nine unrestricted free agents. So um, you know, Spies is another guy uh, who who could be moved. Uh, as well, um, so and that you know, and then the last third of the season, I think you'll see a lot of looks from some of the young players they got, such as a William Carrier. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Alex Tuck makes this team. So you're going to see the transformation a bit uh, from Vegas from year one going forward. And and again, the guys who might just wind up being here from opening night through the trade deadline and then move at the, at the deadline. You know they're gonna they're gonna help this franchise uh, for years to come because they're uh, help excuse me helping them in year one of the franchise 
right out of the gate. And then, you know, someone could be turned around for a pick in the prospect. Uh, and one of those aspects that Vegas gets is a player that's on the ninth, the next six, seven years. Uh, that's invaluable, to say the least. So, uh, like I said, I think it's going to be a fun year. I think it's going to be a building year. And uh, I think everyone should enjoy it. Uh, I'm not predicting any Stanley Cup final um, predictions here. But uh, I think this is uh, everyone should really have a big smile on their face this year. So with that, that's that's how I see yeah. this season. And Mark, how about yourself? Well, one thing to add to that, um, as getting out of the coast, they they have a have a seven game homestand after they get back from Dallas, but then they go on the road for that extended northeast trip that most Pacific Division teams uh, really don't look the season while the team, like you said, is trying to build chemistry. Um, that 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 could storyteller of of the early season the 20 game bench market as you put it um, going through that that northeast swing really tough division team any west coast team actually and I I that's going to be when it's all said and done um, what, what's going to tell the tale my my benchmark for this team is 70 points I think if they could squeak. You know, you're looking at 30 wins and 10 overtime points or any combination that's going to get you to 70 points. I think if they get 70 points, um, pick up some pieces at the trade deadline. Like you said, Perron might might be this piece. Neil might be a nice piece. You know, a couple seconds. Yeah, I think... Mark, are you there? We're losing, we're losing Mark again. Um, yeah, so that's – and it will be interesting to see what Vegas does between now and the opening night. There's been a lot of rumblings about uh, with the amount of defensemen that they have uh, and teams such as uh, – there's a number of teams, but teams such as Edmonton looking for defense. There's a number of teams. So it's quite possible they, they might do one of those deals now, strike when the iron is hot, and, and uh, depending upon what kind of draft pick they can get, uh, for those players. I don't think they'll look to dump them uh, for a late pick. I think someone's going to have to at least tice them with. It's got to be, I would think, in the third-round pick range, depending upon who we're talking about. So um, that's something I would look for. Someone like a, like a Lucas Spiza would, would come to mind or Jason Garrison. Those two names off the top uh, I could see getting moved. Both are only signed for one more year, and then you'll, you have to worry about the depending on the team, the cap as well. So um, let's try it again. Mark, are you there? Okay, so we're we're having trouble with Mark today. We're going to have Dana Lane calling in, so uh, any moment. So hopefully we'll be we'll be hearing from that, from him as well. So like I said, George McPhee, I think is is in very you know, the Vegas Golden Knights are in very good hands with him. Um, he did a really good job in Washington for 17 years building that franchise. They could never get over the hump, but in terms of building the franchise, uh, he did he did a, did a heck of a job. So uh, I might be biased. Uh, I was a fan of McPhee for quite some time, uh, well before he became the Golden Knights uh, GM. 
so uh, you know, with you know, with that, like I said, I, I keep my eye out on. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing young young guys like Alex Tuck and guys like William Carlson and Eric Holla, who you might have a bigger role this year as well, and what they get to do with it. And then you get March or so, which is really going to be an open audition. You know, he's 26 years old. He was kind of under the wire for the agent sign last year. Um, uh, you know, by the Panthers, he signed a two-year deal, I think, for 750000 or 900000 a year. And he was kind of a nice little player, a role player, who scored 30 goals last year. It was one of the few things that went right for the Panthers. So uh, he's got one more year to go, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. So one would think if he can duplicate last year's performance, uh, he's going to get paid well in the free agent market. Uh, if Vegas likes what they see from him, let's say at the halfway part of the season, do they do they lock him up? Um, will McPhee be nervous about uh, locking up March or so on a long-term deal based on what he's seen uh, last year as well as this year? Um, like I said, you're probably you're looking at a pretty good cap number. Uh, you know, you're looking probably at a. I mean, everyone gets if you're a good player and you have free agency. Uh, you're going to make $5 million a year, let alone be a 30-goal scorer. So that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow uh, what what McPhee uh, thinks of March or so. Or, you know, at the end of the day, does McPhee think, he, even if March or so is having a really good year, if he can really do well in terms of what he gets from March or so at the trade deadline, um, I could see him going in that direction. So uh, that will be a very interesting, a very fascinating story to watch as well. Um, okay, let's try this again. Mark, are you there? Mark? Do we have Mark? Do we have Dana? Any, so we're going to have Dana Lane on any moment to talk about the... Uh, uh, Talk about the Knights as well as UNLV, who's the play-by-play play, play man, and our good friend uh, JG Styles as well. After that, of Cali Sports News to break down the Pacific, and he hosts a LA Kings uh, podcast himself, uh, Kings Road Talk podcast. So that's that should be uh, JD's an original. So that will be uh, a lot of fun uh, as well. Mark, are you there? Hi, Chris. Dana. <laughs> okay, Dana here as well. I finally hear you. All right, so yeah, I'm going to lay down the do. I dropped um, out entirely. <laughs> okay, without I'm going to let uh, you. I mean, I've been speaking for the last 15 minutes, so why don't you break it down a little <laughs> bit with Dana in terms in terms of uh, uh, UNL, little and UNLV, and you two kind of I'll listen, go back and forth on the nights. Everyone knows how what uh, my viewpoints on them are. Ten four. Dana, how are you doing this morning, sir? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Oh, we're not too bad. Struggling through yet some more audio difficulties, but uh, I think we're getting through it now. Um, let's, uh, you know, he's back in town. How did they do last night, sir? Uh, well, this was an off week for UNLV, and, of course, they got two weeks now to prepare for the University of Utah, um, and there will be uh, cancer okay. awareness week this upcoming that. week. Yeah, so that, that's fine. So it's good for the kids. They got you know four games under their belt, and uh, they'll play Utah Friday and Saturday at City National Arena. And in the latest uh, ACHA rankings that just came out, UNLV is ranked 18th, 
And so, uh, you know, they're moving up. Uh, they started at 21. Now they're up to 18. It, it seems like they don't move up quickly enough. There's some, uh, there's two teams ahead of them that they've beaten pretty thoroughly, but that's uh, the ACHA, I guess. Uh, but we, uh, this yeah, upcoming week, you can get Yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't get ahead of yourself for sure. Uh, but these two games against Utah is uh, our team is a team that they should handle. Uh, considering Colorado just got through beating them this weekend, eight to one, and of course UNLV handled Colorado and played probably the best game of the season in their fourth game in a three to two win. Ten four, ten four. We'll be looking forward to that when that comes up. Um, let's jump into the Golden Knights. There, I want to know. I want to know who you think has played their way onto the roster, like maybe. We didn't really have our eyes on at the start of the year. My two, my two guys that I think are making a very strong case to be on this opening night roster: Alex Tuck and Brad Hunt. Where, where do you see them landing when the season starts? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Tuck. I mean, every time I, I watched the LA game uh, the other night, or the other, uh, yeah, watched the LA game last night again, and you know, his name just consistently comes up all the time, but. Um, you know, he's a young kid. I mean, he's 21, and most of his experience is at the, at the U.S. Devel- development level. Um, so it depends on where, you know, McPhee wants to go. I mean, there is going to have to be a lot of moving parts here in the next, in the next week for sure because, obviously, they have to get down to their 23-man sure. roster. Um, so I don't know, you know, I mean, obviously, we like Tuck, and we certainly think that uh, he's played well enough to get on. Um, but, you know, obviously the focus is on the, on the defenseman where they have to at least uh, let three of those guys, uh, you know, put them in waivers, put them on waivers. So, um, you know, Tuck has been great. Thomas Hika has been great. I thought William Carrier, I yeah. mean, a guy that nobody has really talked about too much, but, you know, I mean, through, uh, through the, the first few exhibition games, the guy's got 20 shots on net. He's always, always around. He's, uh, he's always very active. He, we certainly saw he, he had speed in that Anaheim game, so that's a guy that you know maybe uh, they're, they're looking at, and, and Thomas Nosek as well. I mean, Nosek is is a plus five yes. in these exhibition games, so there's a lot of you know there's a lot of guys that you could say, yeah, yeah, I think you're gonna you're gonna help us down down the road. Um, it's just how I mean, how do you work this? I mean, um, you have a guy like uh, I mean, when you look at you know, to Polkinen and Marsha Schultz and, and William Carlson, maybe Carlson's a, a, a candidate to not be there. Um, you know, Lindbergh and Hall. I mean, I just, who do you take out and replace with these young kids? Tough. And, and well, I think I was mistaken, and I think a lot of others were as well. The general knowledge going into the, or the general consensus going into the expansion draft was that this was going to be a team that was built on defense. Um, the, the, the defense prospects and players in, around the National Hockey League that were available was going to allow the team to build a pretty, pretty solid top four, even top six defense pair. And where we were going to be, where we were going to be thin was going to be on the skill, speed, and scoring. And really, so far through what I've seen at camp and a couple games that uh, we've seen so far, it it may actually be reversed. It may be. This, and and maybe it was an aberration, but uh, the Colorado game especially, the a lot of Colorado's forwards got loose going the other way on outnumbered attacks. Uh, Flurry faced quite a few odd number rushes. Uh, there was a couple of breakaways on when we were on the power play. So I, I think 
that the, the decisions in the forward core are going maybe maybe be tougher to make than than what we thought the defense was gonna was gonna be, sir. You know, I think so too because you know McPhee has come out and said, hey, look, you know, defensively we know we can't we're gonna carry eight defensemen, so that means we have to get rid of three. And he's already said, hey, look, that, that will play itself out in camp. But you know, when you're looking at the forwards. Um, you know, it, it, you're you're basically looking at you know Marshall and and Shipashoff and Riley on that in that first line. That's what they they put them first on. First line. Um, uh, Holland, Carlson, and Tuck probably. Tuck is a candidate for the for second line because he's played his his way onto it. And, and then I suppose when you look third line, probably Lindbergh, Cody Eakin, and Cody Eakin. Um, and then right. uh, fourth line would probably be Carrier and and Bellamare and. And then Polkinen. So, you know, I, that's, that's. And we haven't not even brought up James I mean, Neal. No, and you haven't brought up James Neal yet because obviously he would uh, he would be in the lineup if healthy. And, and the, he has skated. Yep. Uh, he's still recovering some from offseason hand surgery. So he has skated. And, you know, the more I read, the more it, it looks like maybe he'll be available for, for game one. But. Uh, he's, it's still a gray area whether or not he will be, and then of course if he is, then and then you can you know move, move those positions down because he's going to play in your he's going to play in your top line because he's your best offensive weapon, and not only is your best offensive Absolutely. weapon, he's going to get a lot of power play time, and uh, certainly nobody on this team uh, there's potential. I mean, there's potential with Marsha Schultz, and there's I think there's potential with with Polkinen and and Shipashov, depending on how the KHL equates to the NHL. Uh, but as far as a bona fide star that you know what you're going to get, and not only a bona fide star where you know what you're going to get, but a guy that can play on the left side, he can play on the right side, which you know they they need guys on that right side. So um, you know that he's a big. He's a big entity to get back in your lineup because obviously he's your best offensive weapon. For sure. If you are going to put a benchmark on on the the season uh, points wise, first of all, what do we have? What do we have on the futures line down at the books um, for the Golden Knights? What's what does the books and the Vegas line think that they're going to be at the end of the season? Uh, right now they're at uh, 200 to one, and uh, that doesn't seem so bad. But considering that's that's the peak <laughs> of where they're willing to go with these, Arizona's at 200, Colorado, <laughs> right. Detroit, New Jersey, Vancouver, uh, all at 200 to one. So uh, that's the that's the highest odds that you're going to get, and they're right down at the bottom as they should be um, at 200 to one. So um, if you think the Golden Knights are going to win the Stanley Cup, I will. Take that back. <laughs> I, will, I will take the other and then, side and uh, please. Where do they, what, uh, for, as far as over under points total goes, where do they sit? Oh, yeah. I think it's, a, it's about 70, 70 and a half, depending on the, the property that you look at. So um, certainly you're looking at probably 30 wins if you're, if you're kind of looking at that. Um, if you're also factoring in overtime losses, so about 30 wins, um, which I think is a little bit high. Um, but uh, they, I do know this. Uh, in most sports, the bookmakers know what they're doing. And the National Hockey League, yep. sometimes that takes a backseat. So do I think that that's a little high? Yeah, I, I, I do. Because here's the thing. It, it, we could look at everybody that's on, you know, those four lines that we just mentioned. 
But if they get any, if they have injuries, and especially major injuries, and what if what if Mark Andre Fleury gets hurt and, and misses some time like he has in the past? I mean, that is really where you're going to see bigger cracks than what you see already, and, and that's where I think that they're going to struggle to get to that seventy win or seventy point total. And if I can well, just chime in real happen, quick on so. Yes, sir. If, if I can just chime in uh, on that thought process you're thinking going down. <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me, going down that road. Dana, you know this better than I, uh, be more uh following those things. But, you know, come the trade deadline, you know, the last that's right twenty five percent of the season, uh, they can move a lot of these pending UFAs who are veterans and look at kids and obviously one loss record uh could be at a much lower rate and you could be on par for that to make your to make that uh to make that line and then all of a sudden the last third of the se- season or so uh, you come well short of it. We've seen that with teams in the past. So that's something well, I would just throw out there. I mean, that's that's a great point, and, and certainly there's going to be a lot of movement. I don't think that George McPhee is going to wait to the off season to make those moves. They have uh, ten players next season that are, are scheduled to be uh, UFAs, and uh, you know they're they're not going to wait until the off season to to do that. So. Uh, they got a lot of, and that's, that's UFAs. That's not even counting the RFAs that they have. And so there is going to be a lot of movement. I, I, I Look, when you look at this, do question this a little bit. Because, and I don't want to question George McPhee until he gives me a reason to do so. But, boy, I mean, the, the, the guys that you have, unless you really thought we're going to easily be able to get rid of them and be able to get something back for them, they are really stuck right now, and I, I don't think that they really thought that they were going to be in a spot where they were going to have to make a decision on three defensemen as far as putting them on waivers. But going into next season, only Nate Schmidt and Griffin Reinhardt, which I'm not too high on, and Brad Hunt have contracts going into next season. Everybody else defensively is an RFA or UFA. That definitely puts us in a tough spot, no question about it. Um, you, I was at the I was at the Kings game, and I, I know you got to the to the Avalanche game. Um, as far as the the one defenseman four forward setup on on the power play, is that something we're going to see going through the regular season? Because I like the puck movement, and I like the skill that it brings. But there was a couple of times, especially in the Oilers game, they were over seven on the power or the Oilers game, the Avalanche game, they were over seven on the power play. There was a couple of times when you just needed that that defenseman at the point to throw the puck back to, and he wasn't able to come over and cover the point, and and we cleared our own zone a couple of times. Um, do you think that's something we're going to see periodically, or is that something that Coach Galan is going to run with when we get to the regular season? Oh, I I think you you take. And anything that Gallant does right now in the, in the preseason with a grain of salt. I mean, it's. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if you look back last year, the Colorado Avalanche were undefeated in preseason. We'll see how you know see how well that went for them. I, I don't take you know too much off of what I just saw. But honestly, as far as guys that have big shots from the point, I mean, big offensive guys. I mean, there is just there's really not a lot to work with. I mean, there are guys with potential, and I. You know, I still, and I know people are high on, on Shea Theodore, but, you know, to me, I still want to see more. I know what he did in the WHL. I know he was 
you know, he's getting a lot of shifts and certainly a lot of time on the power play. Same thing with Griffin Reinhardt is a guy that's still trying to find his potential. Another big WHL guy. Uh, Brad Hunt had a, you know, had a, had a terrific or has a terrific career in the AHL, but not a lot of guys on the NHL level that I could say are bonafide scorers. So I still think they're trying to find that guy, and perhaps they don't have that right. guy uh, or a big shot from the point that they think is going to create rebounds, and, and they just feel feel better with four forwards on the on the power play. It's been it's been an interesting first camp, and um, you know we're all we're all obviously ready for this thing to get underway. Um, we're talking, and, I, and I've got Jaden Styles on the line. So one more uh, one more quick hit, and then I've got to let you run, Dana. Um, we were talking. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> Chris, I love it when that happens on my radio. It's beautiful. Um, Chris and I were talking a little bit about, um, you know what, I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. And uh, Oh, we were I talking about the early thing. season schedule. There oh, we go. Okay. okay, go ahead. Um, with the seven-game homestand and then the northeast trip that backs up after that. Um, if you get to the 20-30 game mark, that, that, that northeast trip that they're going to go on, that's going to that's gonna tell the tale um, – for the for the early part of the season, don't you think? Oh, I mean, for for sure. I mean, look, I'm not, I, and I tell everybody that I come in contact with, don't have expectations. Here's your expectations. Your right. expectations are they have a huge home stand to start, uh, especially you know the first ten ten games or so. Most of them, except the the, the first two at Dallas and at Arizona, are on the road. You know. Walk out of T-Mobile every night and ask yourself, did I get a good, good effort out of my team? Did I get my money's worth? Do I feel like my team is moving forward? Don't even focus on the scoreboard right now. If you could say my team moved forward right. tonight, then be happy where they are. So, you know, I mean, as far as telling the tale for the rest of the season, hey, listen, the tale is not going to end well, okay? That's just – that's the reality of it. It's <laughs> not going to end well. I mean, so – can you feel good about what they've done and the foundation that they built in year one? And if you can say yes, that's your happy ending, not, hey, they only had 60 points go. or they had 65 points and I'm disappointed. No, there, there you go. And I think we we all kind of knew that was where we were headed when we when the expansion list was revealed and we saw that, that the McPhee and company are building long-term and they're not going the way of the Florida Panthers with drafting a bunch of the veterans that were available in an attempt at a win now scenario. And, you know, from, from my viewpoint, I think that's the right, you know, the right way to build a franchise. And even in his original press conference, uh, George said that uh, you build this team through the, through the draft, you, you have patience and your, your star players, are going to come through the amateur entry draft. They're not going to come through an expansion draft or through free agency. So even at his introductory press conference, we have an inkling of where he was going to build this team. And and I think the key for fans and um, players and management alike is going to be patience as we go through this first year, maybe two years. Um, uh, Mr. Foley always said playoffs in three. And I think, uh, it, you know, early early reviews, That's that's still where the goal is. And I think the the roots the roots of the foundation 
are are going to be strong. It's just a matter of growth and time to let these players develop into what they're going to be for us. So with that, Dana, I'm going to let you go, sir. I will uh, chat with you during the week, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, guys. Have a good week. Thanks, Dana. Thank you, sir. And now we're going to bring in good longtime friend of the show, Jeff Duarte. He is the NHL editor at CaliSportsNews.com and host of the Kings Road Talk podcast. Jeff, it's been too long since we've spoke, sir. Uh, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for uh, bringing me back to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Blessed to be here. Thanks, guys, for inviting me back. I'm, I'm excited. It's been probably since before the draft. I think that's the last time we spoke. I, I know, and it's, I always look forward to your energy, sir. You bring you bring a uh, you bring a first line energy to the show, and your and your knowledge, of course, of the Kings and Pacific Division can't be questioned. So it's always great to have you back on the show, sir. I did want to start with Thank you, you on the Kings because that is the that is the team that uh, you're most familiar with. Although you your uh, NHL knowledge, like I said, is is unsurpassed. So let's jump right into the Kings. Um, new general manager, new coach, new philosophy. Same core players, except for maybe a couple that are going to be up fighting for spots. Um, what 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 have we seen so far, and is there an indication that this Kings team can rebound to, let's say, the 2014-15 Kings form as opposed to what we've seen the last couple of years? What we've seen so far, Mark, and uh, hi, Chris, by the way. I know you're out there somewhere. How you doing, Chris? Is Chris not there? He's there. I, I see him there. Oh, oh, couldn't hear him at all. Okay, anyways, um, what we're seeing from the Kings right now, at least what I'm noticing when it comes to their body language, and of course we're just in the preseason, nothing is important yet except getting in shape, uh, getting your roster set, and uh, you know, not getting injured. But the team seems a lot looser in their body language. And of course a lot of that has to do, like you just mentioned, Mark, you know, new coach. So it's a new dawn for the Los Angeles Kings. So without Daryl Sutter there, who of course is the greatest coach in LA Kings history, um, without him there and his temperament and his style of old school coaching, who really just, you know, just beats you down, beats you down, beats you down to the point that like Dowdy admitted this summer, two different interviews that I saw, that the team pretty much gave up on Sutter because they really couldn't take it anymore from him. So now you have... John Stevens, who everyone, at least all the main core players, are already comfortable with because he was with them when they won the Stanley Cup twice in 2012-2014 because Stevens was the assistant slash associate coach. So they know him and he knows them. But now with the benefit that it's actually Stevens now in charge, not Sutter, because Sutter was the boss and Stevens did his job perfectly as Sutter needed him to do. But now it's a totally different story with Stevens behind the bench, brought in some new uh, assistant coaches to help out as well, brought in an offensive coordinator and uh, former NHL star Pierre Turgeon. So it's a different vibe for this camp, for this preseason. The, the players all feel it. And uh, even this trip to China, uh, the two games they played against Vancouver and Beijing and Shanghai, it, that was also a perfect timing of, of, of an opportunity to bond again together, for the whole team to get together, the core to get together and bond and do something together in an, you know, an amazing experience and bring the young guys along so they can get to know each other. They don't have Sutter on their backs anymore so they can relax a little bit. And you're seeing it now in the way they play. 
they're just being loose and they're just, it looks like they're actually having, I don't know if I should say it, Mark. looks like they're having fun while okay. they play. It, don't do it. Yeah, I'm saying it. <laughs> I'm saying it. It sounds like they're actually having fun and they're enjoying playing hockey and playing together again. So hopefully this, this line of thinking and uh, chemistry that they're developing this preseason, hopefully they can take it over the long haul in the 82 regular season uh, and get back into the playoffs in the NHL. But uh, they definitely have an opportunity to make a playoff spot. Will they do it? It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But um, with Jonathan Quick being healthy and stuff, this team is a little bit more confident and more relaxed, and that can take them a long way. How much, and I, and I played around with hashtag free Drew Gowdy, um, how much more do you think Gowdy can bring to this team as far as being the offensive quarterback than he already has without Coach Sutter's reins? I think, I think, I look at it this way. Drew Doughty became a, you know, a top prospect and was second overall in the draft and everything that he accomplished, you know, with the World Juniors, winning gold medal World Juniors with Canada, being a part of that World Junior Summit Series between Canada and, and the Russians, where Doughty was a big part of that Canadian team that won. And, you know, his success that he had with the Guelph Storm, they didn't win the Memorial Cup or anything, but he played fantastic with them. And the fact that Steve Eisman, as GM for the Canadian national team in 2010 for the Vancouver Winter Olympics, selected Dowdy, who's only in his second year of in the NHL. Right. There's a reason why there's, there's a reason why Drew Dowdy is an elite player in this league, because he is an elite player in this league. Now Daryl Sutter, in many ways, was very good for Dowdy, and uh, we got to see the young. You know, really cocky, um, but still prone to many bad decisions while he plays Drew Doughty into one of arguably the best defensemen in the NHL today all round. Um, and Sutter had a big part of that, too, because Doughty and a lot of guys in the team learned from Sutter. But Doughty doesn't need Sutter to continue to be elite. I think Doughty's going to be just fine for the Kings, uh, with or without Daryl Sutter, he's still going to be there. He's going to quarterback that power play. He's going to play defensively. He's going to be a leader on the ice and in the locker room, especially for the young guys. And Dowdy is just going to be Dowdy because I don't think Dowdy knows how to be anything else. He just knows how to be him because that's just his personality. And it doesn't matter who the coach is. It doesn't matter who he's playing with. Dowdy is always going to bring it, and he's going to be just fine, at least for, for what, the next two seasons? At least. At least. We'll see. At least, at least. Yeah. Now, now, who are some of the kids in camp for the Kings that have a chance of playing their way onto this roster? Okay, Kevin Gravel, who played a lot with the Kings last season and gained a lot of NHL-level experience right. with the Kings last season, has already been sent back down and didn't make the cut. So he's back down on the uh, Ontario Reign. I think like the two guys that are really – Really, really, really uh, a standing out when it comes to the camp in the preseason. Uh, Curtis McDermott. I mean, McDermott, 6'4", 6'5". This guy is a beast. He is nasty. I mean, nasty. I think he's got a mean streak. He is huge. And when I see him, and maybe, like, I don't know if you'll agree, Mark, or whatever, but I see him as, like, a Matt Green, where uh, as a solid dependable, nasty defensive defense, defenseman, stay-at-home defenseman, but as a giant. You know, he's just a giant. And quite intimidating having him back there. And also, uh, 
uh, Oscar Vandenberg as well has been playing very, very well and has been turning some heads. And I think one of those two are going to earn a spot, at least as the seventh defenseman for the Kings, and make the team going into the opening game of the season where originally they probably weren't expected to make the team. It probably would have been Kevin Gravel because of his experience. Okay. What, what uh, I'll save your predictions for the end of the segment. I want to bring in Chris. He's back on the line now. Um, Chris, I wanted to go is, and I'm, I'm a segue into your segment here. Um, is the, are the Oilers now the cream of the crop in the Pacific division? And then I'll throw it to Chris. Okay. So here it is about the Oilers. I, I believe it was, yeah, it was on this show. It was on this show, the Vegas Hockey Podcast, where we did our preseason predictions like we're doing right now for the uh, Pacific Division. I wasn't convinced about Edmonton's defense or goaltending. I had no doubt that with a healthy Connor McDavid, that he could be one of the best players in the league, and he turned out to be one of the best players in the league, right? MVP, Art Ross Trophy, Ted Lindsay Award, yep. uh, 100 points. Yeah, he's like he's as advertised, much like you know, other players before him, like a Gretzky, a Lemieux, and a Crosby. I'm not saying he's going to reach the heights of those three, because those are big shoes to fill, but so far so good in his development. You can go anywhere with a Connor McDavid. But when it came to the defense, especially the Taylor Hall trade, when Edmonton traded Taylor Hall to New Jersey for defenseman Adam Larson, I mean, I heavily criticized it. So many people out there, I wasn't alone, criticized it, because many felt at the time, that Edmonton didn't receive enough in return by giving up someone who can score goals and was finally happy to be playing as an oiler since McDavid arrived and they just shipped them off for Adam Larson. But boy, could I have not been more wrong because Adam Larson turned out to be quite the stud defensively. And I believe he was even like a a plus. Yeah, he he was uh, a plus 21, I believe. Um, solid defensively, even, even got 19 points, played almost a full season at 79 games. And uh, now I'm thinking New Jersey didn't get enough in the Taylor Hall trade because Adam Larson you know, proved a lot of people wrong. <laughs> and, 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 and Cam Talbot, I mean, Cam Talbot, uh, I just didn't know, can he be a true number one goalie? And that answer was a very loud, yes, he can. 42 wins, 239 goals against average, seven shutouts. When did the Oilers get shutouts? What? And a 919 save percentage, which right. is probably the best, save per, the best save percentage the Oilers have had and probably like since like the mid-2000s or before, right? Because the uh, goaltending has been so horrible for so long. So they're way stronger defensively than I gave them credit for. You know, Andre Sakara, Sekera, former LA King, he's he's blossoming with the Oilers. Chris Russell's being strong. And you got Larson, you got uh, Cam Talbot holding the Ford in the back. And you got McDavid, you got Nugent Hopkins, you got old uh, Anaheim Duck Pest for the Kings, Patrick Maroon on there in the leadership of Lucic. Um, I think the Edmonton Oilers, I'm going to do a complete reversal of what it was last year where I wasn't convinced. I am now a believer. I think Edmonton wins the Pacific. You're a buyer. That's my, that's my, that, that's my prediction. I'm saying Edmonton wins the Pacific, and maybe we'll get to that a bit later, but they can get the well, Pacific not, not to, or, not, or go all not, the way. Not to throw a little cold water on you, J.D., and I'll give you my thoughts on Edmonton since you broke it down. I had a question to you about Edmonton, but you kind of broke it all down there, and I'll get into you with the Flames and – uh, obviously, Edmonton, the future is bright, the arrows pointing up. Um, 
I guess what concerns me is a couple things. One is the depth on the team. I believe Sakara is going to miss uh, a good part of uh, the beginning of the year uh, with, uh, I think, he had an all-season surgery last May or June. And while their defense is definitely improving, it still has a long way to go uh, to being a championship defense. I'm a, even though he's a young guy, I'm a little concerned about their backup goalie situation and how much they've played Talbot last year and if that is going to continue going into this year. I think he played in 73 regular season games last year. And three, while Seidel, who uh, emerged last year, we already knew about McDavid, and that's a heck of a one-two punch. I, I'm concerned about secondary scoring on that team. So, um, you know, can Mar- Patrick Maroon do it again? Can they get enough out of uh, Nugent Hopkins, Ryan Strom, newly acquired from the Islanders, and Jesse Puhari as, as well, another youngster. Uh, you know, Jordan Eberle is now gone. And, and finally, how are they going to handle success? Um, a lot of people are expecting big things from the Oilers. Last year was the question was, well, can they make, can they sneak into the playoffs? And that was a resounding yes. I mean, the hockey news picked the Oilers to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. And, you know, if they were in another division, uh, I'd be worried about them. But because they're in the Pacific, I have no doubt that they'll they'll finish in the top three. But would I be surprised that this year they uh, take a step back and um, uh, not make the playoffs? No, I mean, excuse me, uh, losing the first round of the playoffs? No, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So that's kind of how I feel about uh, the Oilers. And I want to jump in on the Flames with you. So this is a pretty talented team, J.D., in terms of scoring, defense, um, you know, they, they at one point they were playing uh, the best hockey in the league for a while on uh, the second half of the season. They added Travis uh, Hamanek, who I'm very familiar with, and as long as he's healthy, um, that's that's gonna that's a good, that's a really good add. It seems like this whole team is hinged on 35-year-old Mike Smith with Eddie Lack, I yes. believe, as their backup. Uh, how much of a concern? Would you be being a Flames fan? Like, if things come together, yeah, this could be a heck of. They could have a heck of a year. But would I be out of bounds and saying they could even if things went a little south that they could miss the playoffs? I agree with you completely, Chris. That uh, this is a the Calgary Flames are a very very talented team, and if there's teams out there that aren't going to take them seriously, uh, they're going to be in trouble because these guys can play and. Like my biggest doubt of the Flames is, as is, as you said, is what they need to be the strongest. Mike Smith and Net, 35 years old, I believe he was the MVP for the Arizona Coyotes last season. That's not saying much because they really tanked last year. But you know, to be fair, he kept them in more games than you know than they probably deserved because he, you know, he's still able to be effective. But but there's, there's this weird thing going on with the Flames where it's kind of like, I call it the Philadelphia uh, syndrome, where they just can't find that number one goalie that can really make them, um, you know, make them a, a solid team from the forward line, defensive line, right to the goaltending line. And Mike Smith, 35 years old, what if, if Mike Smith gets hurt, Eddie Lack's going to be the number one? That, that if I was a Flames fan, that would be my number number one concern is, is just what's going on between the pipes. 
But uh, yeah, Travis Hobnick uh, possibly being lined up with TJ Brody is exciting. Uh, Captain uh, Mark Giordano can stay healthy and him and Dougie Hamilton still stay paired up. They're going to be strong. I'm thinking a third defensive pairing of Mike Stone with, uh, how do you say, uh, Matt Barkowski or who's the other guy, who's the other guy or Brant Lulak. That could be very interesting. And they're going to keep you in the game. If Mike Smith can do his part and stay strong in net, and then Johnny uh, Goudreau and Sean Monaghan, you know, and Sam Bennett all have stronger seasons than they did last year. You know, they don't have that collapse at the end. Uh, and, of course, uh, for example, Johnny Goudreau, uh, Monaghan, maybe with Troy Bauer, they're not the best defensively either. These guys have to come back and back check, back check somewhat, cover a guy somewhat. they got to do their part. But that second line of Matthew Kachuk and Michael Backlund and Froelich, they can. And I believe Backlund, in my opinion, um, this is only my opinion, I think Backlund is one of the best, if not the best, defensive zone faceoff artists in the, in the NHL today. So, so if Goudreau can score goals, and Monaghan can score goals, and Brower can score goals, and they can do their part, Bennett can bounce back, Kachuk's line can keep playing defensively, the defense does their job. But if they don't have the goaltending, it's all for naught. Because I don't like I wouldn't trust Eddie Lack as my number one. I think he I think he's a good number two, but but not as a number one. So um, I think Calgary is going to be a very dangerous team. But you need those bounce backs. You need Johnny Hockey to be better, Monahan to be better, and you need you need Bennett to step up. You need all these guys to step up. But it's all it all depends on Mike Smith. They need 2012 Western Conference finalist Mike Smith for them to uh, to make some noise and cause some damage. Wait, before uh, I let Mark uh, touch base with you on uh, three other teams, uh, mm-hmm. let me put a cap on that, uh, cherry on that Sunday, in terms of, you know, the Flames are all in on this season. Um, a lot of people applauded them on the Hamannick deal, but they traded the Islanders uh, three very valuable draft picks, including their first-round pick this year and their second-round pick. If this is a scenario where they wind up just missing the playoffs, and that is a lottery pick and, and an early second-round pick. Well, uh, and this is a, a considered a very special draft, um, and we'll have somebody on later later on in October to talk about that a little bit. Uh, that is that is uh, that is putting a lot of chips in the middle of the table on this season. So that's uh, something to keep an eye out for in terms of the Flames and uh, you know what the, what their expect. That tells you a lot about what their expectations are. So uh, with that, I'll kick you over to Mark, and uh, I think he's going to hit you with the uh, Ducks and the the Knights and the Arizona, and then I'll hit you one more time. Yep. Well, let's uh, let's go down the five, and I know you're in the Toronto area, but you know the five well. Um, let's head down into Anaheim. Um, yep. What are we looking for out of Anaheim? They've changed. They've you know. Changed the, their backup goalie out, brought in Ryan Miller. Um, how much is the the early season injury to Kessler going to impact this team if he is out until Christmas, like the reports are? Yeah, that's that's a huge loss, and uh, it's a huge loss because he is one of their leaders. He is one of their best defensive forwards. Yeah, um, and the fact that he's going to be out until Christmas, you know, five months. Ago, maybe or so around there. Uh, I think that was a big blow to the Ducks. They, uh, Sammy Vatnin, who I think that's their number one defenseman, uh, he had off-season surgery on his shoulder. Hampus Lindholm also had po- uh, 
postseason uh, surgery as well. And I think just the biggest thing that uh, the Ducks should be concerned about are, are those injuries. Do they have enough depth, um, at least for the first half of the season, to compensate for the loss of Ryan Kessler, Vatnin, and Lindholm? You know, because they're going to need, if, if that's going to be the case, then you definitely need Corey Perry to wake up and actually have a comeback year this year because he was absolutely awful last year. Like, he just could not get anything really going. Everything was going wrong for him, and they need him in there. Uh, like, he's never going to score another 50 goals again. He's never going to win another Hart Trophy. And uh, But he should have a comeback season unless he's pulling a Mike, Richard, Mike Richards-level decline here. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But if they can get Corey Perry going, if they can get Patrick Gibbs and Ricard Raquel, to, they don't have to score 30 goals again like they did last year, but if they can get it close, uh, get Jacob Silverberg to score, get um, R- or Nick Ritchie, he just had a full NHL season now under his belt, and he's going to keep uh, developing and continuing. Those guys need to step up because uh, Anaheim really, really need goals, right? Because they were like 18th overall in offense. That, that's not good, right? They were 17th on the power play, but yet defensively they were fourth on the PK, right? And they were third defense, uh, defensively overall. John Gibson, even though he had a good year, uh, it's hard to say, he needs to be better. I mean, the guy had a 2.22 goals against average and a 9.24 save percentage. That's excellent. But they need him to be even stronger. And they did bring in Ryan Miller, right? Good old Ryan Miller. So they have a solid number two. Can Miller handle being a number two? He probably can. I don't think he'd cause a fight. I think he went into Anaheim knowing that he was going to be, you know, the second guy on the goaltending depth chart. But if Gibson and sure. Miller can hold it, you know, hold the four, and Cam Fowler has become this excellent defenseman, um, like 11 goals last year, 39 points, and a plus seven, that, you know, all these guys have to step up because losing those three players aren't just losing, like, three bottom six players. Like, they, they lost some three key elements to the core of this team, especially Vatnin, especially Kessler, and they have to make up for that. If not, they're going to be in trouble because they're going to be behind. And we've seen the Ducks be really behind and then come back and win the stupid division, right? And I, I, I can call it stupid as a Kings fan because <laughs> what is winning the division? I don't know. I think I was 14 the last time it happened, and it was called the Smite back then. But uh, I, I still, I do actually, you know, I hate saying it, because, you know, I'm a Kings fan, but yeah, I think the Ducks actually do have that depth that they will hold their heads above water. And then once the Kesslers start coming back, once Vatnin starts coming back, you know, they're going to be one of the, at least one of the two top teams um, in the Pacific Division. If not, worst case scenario, third. I think the Ducks, sadly, are going to be okay. I think we have them pegged right at about the, uh, right about the same spot. Um, from what it sounds like, um, I'm not to spend too much time uh, towards the bottom of the division. Um, let's uh, let's throw Vancouver and, and Arizona kind of into the same pot. What's uh, can Arizona bounce back? They were supposed to be the darlings of the league last year. The the kids uh, Domi and Declare that they brought in and brought up were supposed to expand on the, the season before, and they kind of took a step back. Now they've changed out their goalie. Um, it, it, can Arizona get back to being that team that that you know everyone's thinking is going to take that next step, or did, was last season more of of who the Coyotes really really are? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, the Coyotes were a major uh, letdown last year, just to put it kindly. Um, 
can they can they compete? They're, they're going to be competitive. I think they're going to be stronger. Here's the thing about the Pacific guys. Um, the Pacific, in my opinion, has gotten a lot stronger than where they were last season. Um, the Pacific used to be the murderer's row for teams to uh, to travel to and play against because like so many teams were solid, right? With LA and Anaheim and San Jose, like they were solid. Uh, but now with Calgary being being this uh, this team that's quite threatening, you know, because they're all in, like Chris said, with Edmonton, Edmonton blossoming into this into this new thing that uh, also looks very scary because they look they're starting to look like a superpower. You have the LA Kings who are now relaxed and chilled, and they've improved from where they were from last year. And you still got the San Jose factor. It's just going to be so tough for Arizona to really even get in there for a playoff spot. And they came so close two years ago, right? They played three quarters of a season where they were playing fantastic hockey. Of course, it was under Dave Tippett at the time. And uh, then they collapsed, and it continued all through last year. But when you got Max Domi, he's going to have a bounce-back year, I believe. If Anthony Duclair can get his game back on track, right, because this guy was a top prospect, and you got guys like that they drafted like uh, Dylan Strome and Clay Keller who are going to be out there, and they're so talented. And, of course, they're learning too. There really is no pressure on the Coyotes. Like, there's no pressure on those guys to, to at least be a playoff team. If they can just improve to where they were last year, I think those guys will be more than happy with what they accomplished. And, of course, they still have Oliver ekman Larson, who is one of the best defensemen in the league today, and nobody talks about him because he plays for the crappy Coyotes, right? And I think they just picked up Nicholas Hammerson, right. who, who's, who, who's won the Stanley Cup with Chicago. That was a great pickup, right? So they're going to be competitive, yeah. but I, I don't see them – uh, getting even a wild card spot. It's going to be too competitive. You got the Kings, they want to get back in there. You got San Jose as San Jose. Anaheim's going to be Anaheim, so they're always going to be competitive. Calgary improving and Edmonton being scary. It'll be tough for Arizona. And Vancouver, to me, they're bottom of the barrel. It's going to be, a, I don't know, it's not going to look good for the Canucks, and I actually think Arizona will do better than they do. Yes. Aside from the the Sedins, who I think are probably on the other side of, of their paint. Um, is there is there anything coming in Vancouver that can give the the Canucks faithful uh, reason to hope? Um, the goaltender, Mark, uh, Jacob Markstrom, possibly. Uh, he, he, if if he's solid, then any, you know, if you have a solid goaltender and Markstrom could be your guy, you know you always have a chance. But I keep seeing Vancouver as like 29th in offense last year. 29th on the power play, 24th in defense, 28th on the PK. The Sedins are now 37 years old, both, right, each. Um, there, there's not much positivity to come out of there. So maybe Markstrom, uh, the rookie they have, I like him, uh, Brock Bozer. There's a lot of potential there, right? Yes. And they had uh, right. uh, Bo uh, Hor- Bo- uh, I can't never say his last name, Horvat. Bo Horvat scored 20 goals and got 52 points last year. If he can get, you know, 20 goals again and 50 points again, then, you know, then, then they have a chance to at least not be in the basement of the Pacific Division. But I think they're, not, they're, they're going to come nowhere close to a playoff spot. And to be honest with you, I'm going to say it, guys. I'm going to say it because you know why I come on here. I say crazy things. But I think the Vegas Golden Knights are going to do better than the Vancouver Canucks. I think Vancouver is going to finish last. You know, we, uh, we kind of toyed around with that exact thing uh, last week with Dana, Dana Lane. And I said, if I could go into the – Nice segue, by the way. If uh, I could go into the into the sports book and get a ticket that said the Knights were going to finish in front of Arizona, Vancouver, and Colorado, would that be a ticket worth buying? Uh, 
and Dana said, I think that you would have a really good chance to win that bet. So let's move on to the Golden Knights. Um, what did you think of, of their expansion draft and their entry-level draft and the guys that they have in camp right now? And, and I'm sure you watched the game the other night. What do you think of the group just in general? I thought, you know, I thought GM George McPhee did a very good job, to be honest. Um, I mean, it, I, I can only imagine being in his position where you got to build this team that the NHL is really like foaming at the mouth for because of the market in Las Vegas, right? Batman really wants us really bad. He wanted this team in Las Vegas really, really bad. And George McPhee is the guy who has to, has to bring that to the table. Um, I thought he did good. I thought he did really good. I thought, you know, grabbing James Neal was good. I, this guy who scored, he has scored 40 goals in the league. You know, he has experience. Um, you know, they, they, they grabbed uh, Brady McNabb from the Kings, uh, a guy who now, he's not a rookie anymore. I, I still think of him as like a rookie because he still kind of plays like a rookie, even though he's no longer at the age of a rookie. Um, he does have experience, but if he can just keep developing, I guess, get stronger, he could be a, a solid defensive defenseman, maybe. Uh, Colin Miller. I, 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 my mouth dropped to the floor when they selected Colin Miller. I had no idea he was available. Colin right. Miller, of course, is a former... Uh, former uh, L.A. King prospect and won the Calder Cup with the Manchester Monarchs, right? The Kings, uh, the baby Kings, and him getting traded in the Lucic trade to Boston broke my heart. Adding Miller to that trade really broke my heart. So see, now he's back in the division with Vegas. I'm like, ouch. So no, I thought I thought he did good. Dave Perron's going to be, you know, pro. He's going to be he's going to be a pest. If he can get close to 20 goals, then you know that's going to help out and stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's an expansion team. So what really can you expect? Uh, I like Gerard Gallant. I, always, I liked him as a player. I remember him playing for the Detroit Red Wings. I always liked him. Um, he kind of, when Steve Eisenman came into the NHL and uh, Gallant was, you know, an experienced player. Then Eisenman was a young kid. He really took Eisenman under his wing. And we all know what level Eisenman went to. Pretty, pretty elite. And, uh, you know, I like him as a head coach. And is there really any pressure on Vegas to do well? You know, it's... I think it's just pressure on them to at least be competitive and, and be entertaining for the excited fans that are going to be there because this is a brand new thing and they're in the brand new beautiful uh, T-Mobile arena. It's, it's, it's going to have a fantastic atmosphere. My only real concern, and I know McPhee, because he talked about it a lot. You guys know McPhee. You guys know better than I, but uh, it always came across in interviews and stuff before the expansion draft. He was already really hoping to get Marc-Andre Fleury in that. And that's the thing that always raises red marks, uh, red flags for me, because yes, Fleury has won three Stanley Cups. He was the number one goalie back in 09 that led him to the cup. He led him to the final in 08. He, he was injured during uh, 2016's thing, uh, cup run. So really it was Matt Murray who took him all the way, except for a couple of games by Zakoff. But last season, we got to see Fleury make a comeback and actually play fantastic hockey for the Penguins right to the Stanley Cup final before he got hurt. And then Murray had to do it again. Um, but he's not playing with Pittsburgh. He doesn't have the two-time Stanley Cup champions in front of him in Vegas. He's going to be facing a lot of shots. And even if this team does seem like a disciplined one, that's you know they're, they're, they're going to be disciplined. Um, so they are going to help Mark Andre Fleury up, but it depends like how he, how strong is he going to be in that? How mentally strong is he going to be in that? And how much pressure is Fleury going to put on himself because of, of the hype of this brand new golden, see what I did there, golden team uh, of the NHL, would he be able to handle, would he be able to handle that pressure? Because we've seen Flurry collapse for less. We've also seen him shine for more. 
That's why it makes it makes him kind of a wild card. Like he's a bit of a loose cannon when it comes to dependability. But you know what? I like what McPhee did, and really, how much better can you do than he did? He only had so many options. The teams aren't going to give up their best players in the expansion draft, right? So he only has so much to, to grab. So he was able to grab a Flurry or James Neal and stuff. Yeah, he's a great champ. So I thought I thought I thought he did good. But this is only chapter one in the book of the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, the real test will be year two, year three. And, you know, the summer's coming after that. Trades that he can make, you know, that he can still do. And what he's going to do in the next draft, depending where they where they end up, in the, uh, you know, at the end of this season. So right now, Vegas should just be having fun. Enjoy that atmosphere because everyone's red hot and excited. And uh, do better than the Canucks just because I predicted it. There you go. There you go. Let me bring Chris back, back in. Hey, J.D., so we're going to finish up here with the Sharks and then get your prediction for the top three. I just wanted on record, J.D., who J.D. folks co-host, uh, one of the many hats he wears, he co-hosts the Kings Road Talk podcast. Uh, I'm assuming you're going to be doing that again this year, J.D.? Yes, yeah, we just we just and, did our last show I, a couple of days ago, yep. Uh, okay, Sorry? and just letting you know, no, I my calendar as of now is free on Saturday night, December 16th. So, uh, I already had it. Like, I already had it written down, Chris. I already had that written down. <laughs> so I look at the shark. I, I look at the sharks, JD, and to me, the sharks and the flames and the kings are kind of fighting, in my opinion, for that third automatic spot in the Pacific. And how good the Central is, uh, I believe two of the, the both wild cards would come from that division. And there's some talent on this team. I love Martin Jones. Sorry, guys. And I like their top four on defense. But this is an older team, J.D. And, J.D., uh, with the loss of Patrick Marlowe, although as much as I thought it, he had an insane contract, it hurts that he lost, signing any goal scorers, where are the goals going to come from from this team other than Burns, Pavelski, and Cordier? Uh, I, I think the most, the, the next highest goal scorer on their roster was Chris Turney, who had 11 goals last year. So yes. yep. how do you view the Sharks? Um, the Sharks, because you mentioned Martin Jones, and they have Norris Trophy winner Brent Burns, and they have Mark Edward, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic in defense. The Sharks are going to be in that competitive spot, which is why I'm saying the Pacific Division is going to be improved and where they were last year, because you're going to have the Sharks right in there battling, like, punch to punch with the Kings, with the Flames, uh, trying to get that third spot because the wild card's not guaranteed, right? Especially if the Central, you know, um, takes it as hostage like they've done in recent years. So you got to try, if you want to get into playoffs, you need to get slip into that third spot in the Pacific. And yeah, they're just older. And it's funny how we mentioned Marlowe because Marlowe, it actually was a big loss for them um, because he ended up like he's 38 years old, as is Joe Thornton, but he scored 27 goals. You know, and this is a team that is struggling to score, and they just lost one of their best scores, right, by free agency to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he was 38 years old. So what does that tell you? You know, you got you got Captain Joe Pavelski on the wrong side of 30. You got Joe Thornton also at 38. It's now another year of uh, Joe Thornton getting older. So if if the Sharks are going to score, and they were what 19th in offense last year, 25th on the power play, you know, it's oh. fantastic. The fantastic defensively, they need guys like, uh, like you mentioned, uh, mentioned, Chris Tierney has to step up. Uh, Mikhail uh, Bodker has to uh, step up. Oh. Jonas Donskoy has to step up. Can they? I don't know, but that's the guys that they're going to have to rely on. 
um, you know, those guys are going to have to because really what, what other option do the Sharks really have? Because they had an absolutely horrible uh, summer when it came to signing free agents. So it, it, they're just not getting, they're not getting these guys in. So those guys have uh, to play better or, or Sharks in trouble. And a healthy Thomas Hurdle. Uh, I think that's yes. pretty uh, that's pretty important as well. So, all right, J.D., so where do you see the top three in the Pacific? You kind of let the count out of the bag. You're picking the Oilers to finish first. Who do you have yes. second? Who do you have third? I really, oh, man, I went back and forth pretty much. <laughs> I've been going back and forth pretty much until, like, right up to me calling you guys to be on the show. You know, just, just like, I was still picking my standings while I was, like, almost – right to jump in the queue to come onto the show. So, okay, yeah, I got the Edmonton Oilers on top. They're going to win the Pacific in my prediction. Uh, maybe I'm using a little reverse psychology here. Maybe I don't want them to win. That's why I pick them because my, uh, my predictions haven't been that great on this show so, uh, for the last few seasons. So who knows what's going to happen. But I got Edmonton at first. I got the Ducks because the Ducks are the Ducks, and they're going to have that depth to survive, and they have the experience of finishing in second place, and I got the Calgary Flames in third. So that's, that's my top three right there. Battling for fourth and fifth is going to be a toss-up, and sixth is going to be a toss-up between L.A. and San Jose, more specifically, and then Arizona just a bit behind them. I got Vegas second last, and I got, I got the Vancouver Canucks dead last. That's what I'm going with. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. I think you're going to mirror pretty close to where uh, where I'm at. Um, anything else you need to get out there, J.D.? You guys can follow J.D. on Twitter at J.D. Styles, S-T-Y-L-Z underscore, um, and go to CaliSportsNews.com for all their NHL California-based content. Um, they do a really good job over there. I'm on that side a lot, checking checking out what's going on. Uh, a couple, couple of really good hockey writers over there. Uh, JD included in that. Um, so, any, anything else you want to get out there, sir? Um, yeah, actually, I just want to do. Hold on one sec here. Where did that go? No, I just lost my train of thought here. I had this. I had. A, I had a perfectly set up. I had a perfectly set up. Okay, I just want to say one more thing. I'm going to make another prediction. Who's going to win the Stanley Cup? I'm going to make my prediction right here. Maybe again, right. it's reverse like okay. maybe it's reverse psychology on my part, <laughs> right? Maybe who knows what I'm up to right now, but I'm gonna say it right now. And Chris, I know you're gonna hate it. You guys are gonna hate it, but but maybe it's uh, there's a method to my madness. I am going to pick the Edmonton Oilers. Boom! I just said it. I just said it. Now hopefully it doesn't wow. happen now because I predicted it. It's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. Okay, I I, I don't know if I agree. I, I, on I a limb. That one, but okay. <laughs> on a limb. <laughs> Oh, I know. I know. But I usually get them wrong anyway, so it's nothing new. I usually get my predictions wrong, wrong anyway, so it's business It's business as usual. So if I want to go to the window here in Vegas, I call you and then bet the other side. Is that where we're headed? Yeah. Pick the opposite of what I say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, sir. Another great job, as always, on uh, our Pacific Division breakdown, sir. You're a staple of the show when it comes to the Pacific Division. We appreciate you. And uh, everybody, make sure you go follow him on Twitter for Kings Nation Kings Nation content and tune into Kings Road Talk podcast after every Kings Road game. They do a great job on that podcast as well. J.D., thanks again for coming in, sir. We always appreciate you. 
All right, Mark, Chris, thanks for having me. You guys take care. Go Kings, go. Thanks, JD. All right, well, that'll wrap up that section of the podcast. We're going to go into overtime now. Chris, uh, I'm going to kick it to you first. You had a couple differences of opinion there. Who do you like in the Pacific this year? Well, like I said, I think the, I think the third place, first of all, I'll kick it off this way. I think the, the Central, which we did as the first show uh, of the new year, and if you missed that, shame on you. You can find it again on SoundCloud at uh, Russ Cohen's page on Block Talk Radio, Search Vegas Hockey Podcast, as well as with the Grandstand Sports Network. Um, uh, I, I see the both wild cards coming out of the Central. So I'll just lay that out there. Uh, I have Winnipeg being the first wild card, believe it or not. I was all ready to bury the Blackhawks and not pick them. But the the news this week out of St. Louis losing Robbie Fabry for the whole year kind of swayed me. And uh, as much as uh, as much as the Blackhawks have depth issues, in my opinion, I'm going to go with the Blackhawks finding a way to get in. So that means I'm saying that the Pacific's only going to house three playoff teams. I think it will be an interesting battle between Calgary, uh, San Jose, and the Kings. I look at the Kings and San Jose. If Everything, not a lot of things. I shouldn't say everything. If a lot of things come together, I think both teams could make the playoffs and be a tough team to play in, in that first round of the playoffs and quite possibly, you know, beat a young Edmonton Oilers team. Uh, that wouldn't wouldn't be easy. Uh, I'm going to go with Calgary third. Uh, I think they're just too good in terms of you look at their top four blue line. Uh, you look at, uh, you know, the, the forwards that they have, the depth that they have. Obviously, we talked about it. We're, we're, we're banking on that Mike Smith's going to be able to play 55 to 60 games. Uh, I think as long as he's healthy, he'll play well. Um, he'll play uh, – he'll get a, a much better situation playing in front of him than, than in Arizona. Um, second, uh, as you can see, I'm kind of more of the buy low on, on Edmonton, but – given the division that they're in, you know, again, as long as McDavid and Dreisaitl and Cal Talbot stay healthy, um, you know, they'll finish in the top two. So, uh, I, again, I do have the concerns out there, but given the division, I like Edmonton in second. And Anaheim, I'm still a Ducks guy. Uh, you know, everyone forgets. I know everyone's going to say, well, they came up short again. You know, not for nothing, but as much as everyone wants to applaud Nashville, last year, and rightfully so. You know, the Ducks were, you know, 2-2 with them in the series, and I think it was a 0-0 game after the first period in Game 5 and lost their starting goalie. I mean, what would happen to almost any other team in that position? Uh, they're probably going to lose that series. The fact that they have Ryan Miller now coming in instead of uh, your old boy Jonathan Bernier, I, I, think, that was, I think that was a great pickup. Uh, I, you know, I look at the Ducks. I mean, yeah, you know, Getzloff and Perry are getting older and Kessler, but they're still primetime contributors. And guys like Silverberg and Raquel and Caligno and Nick Ritchie, they're starting to, to, to blossom. And I think re-signing Patrick Eves, if they can just keep that guy healthy, and especially healthy during the playoffs, uh, uh, you know, that's a guy who scored 30 goals last year. And Love man, you know, and a guy who gets lost on their defense is a guy like Josh Manson. So, and and Gibson, I think, is only is going to get a little bit better. 
you know, obviously the window is, you know, closing a little bit in terms of when you look at Perry and Getzloff and Kessler's ages, but I still think this is a team that's going to win the, the Pacific in the regular season. So that's who I have in terms of uh, playoff prediction. So the Ducks with a seventh straight Pacific Division title. I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up and go with with the the flavor of the month at the top of the division. I'm gonna take Edmonton. Um, I think they all grow a little bit. I think the experience in last year's playoffs really helped them. Um, Connor McDavid's gonna have to play better in the playoffs if they're gonna go deep in the playoffs. But I think as far as the regular season goes, I think they'll be just fine. Um, I, I take Anaheim a close second. I don't think that the Edmonton's going to run away with it by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and if you flip flop one two and Anaheim and Anaheim squeaks them at the end for you know first place, it wouldn't shock me. But I'm going to say Edmonton one, Anaheim two, and I'm not sold on the the demise of of the Sharks. I think last year was a bit of a cup hangover to start the year, and I think they take third place in the division. Um, and if, if we go back to our central division, I had the Wild, not the Wild, I had the Stars, the Predators, and the Blackhawks going one, two, three. And I was down on the Blues before, and now I'm down even farther, as you mentioned, the Fabry injury. Um, yep. So I say one wild card comes out of the central, and that's Winnipeg. I say St. Louis misses the playoffs. I didn't like the way the Wild crashed at the end of the, at the last three months of last season. And that's a big question mark for me, um, sustainability uh, throughout the season. Uh, They haven't proven it to me. Parise is a year older, and and I don't, you know, that's where I'm at on the Central. And then a wild card team out of the Pacific is going to be the Calgary Flames, I think. So that, do you, uh, let me, wait, did I, I just say that, something? Did you, do you, you, you not have Minnesota you know, in the playoffs? You got it right. I do wow. not, and I don't have the king. Okay. I don't have the kings in the playoffs. <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah. Like that. I said, I didn't like the way Minnesota crashed last season. Um, no, no. I just you know, make the king sure. score is still the same. Yeah, Wild right. are out. Wild, all kings are out. Kings are out. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I interrupted you. you. So you, you like Cal- okay. you like Calgary over those t- uh, you like Calgary over those teams because I think. I think Calgary is is the prototype young team of where the NHL as a whole is headed right now. They've got a lot of speed. They've got puck moving defensemen. They they are they, and I'm not a Mike Smith fan. I'm gonna go on record right now. I don't think that's a strength. If they miss if they miss the playoffs and the Kings squeak past them for that last wild card spot, is I think it's going to be because of Mike Smith. Um, I saw. I've seen him play here yeah. a lot, and he gets he gets flustered, and and he gets he gets agitated, and he's a very emotional player, and it's not the makeup that I I personally like in goaltender. I like my goaltenders to be just even keel, ho hum, run of the mill, uh, very solid and steady, and that's not Mike Smith's makeup. He uh, he's the kind of guy that'll charge behind the net and attack other players if if he feels like he got flashed or what have you. And that tends to throw him off his game. And some players get get better when they get agitated. I don't see that in Mike Smith. I think uh, I was, he'll, I was actually he'll, surprised. He'll be, he'll be 36 in in March, sir. So uh, that, yes, sir. You know, I was very surprised. Had, Calgary uh, took that direction. 
Yeah, to me that. But the rest of I, the I think team, they'll make the play. But yeah, I I would I would be worried about the goaltending uh, for a lot of reasons in terms of you know his his, his age is had enough, he's had a few injuries and, and keep in mind Arizona has played him a ton the last few years too. So um, I could see it really working out well, and I could see it being a disaster. So Not uh, good. that's probably uh, <laughs> yeah, that's probably that's but I probably really like, me. I really like, like the rest of the roster. I do. I, I do too. I like the way like that that's they a big built the it. team. Um, Corsi stats notwithstanding, and, and the fancy stats and whatever. The uh, the eye test of the, of the team is, is the speed, skill, attack, um, and they they've got some grit and, and some physicality up front with the Chuck. Um, so I th- I think all the ingredients are there for that team. And my question there is, is Mike Smith, and if the Kings jump him into that last wild card spot, it's not going to surprise me at all. But that's that's where I'm at with the the Pacific Division, sir. Yeah, I you know again not to belabor the point, um, but I am just surprised when, especially after the move they made for Hamannick, uh, if if the Flames are there are a number of teams like the Flames, and I can put the Islanders in this uh, in this uh, uh, bucket as well in this bubble as well, and I could see if if things go go well, them having a really strong season, and if certain things don't go well, I can see them missing the playoffs. Well. The case of the Flames, like I said, they're all in. I mean, they, you know, if that yes. first-round pick is a lottery pick, and we'll have Zach Devine on sometime in late October talk about the Sharks and, and also just preview the draft, even though that's far, it seems far away, and it is. But this is a special top ten, which includes three young Americans. And, you know, you wind up not being a team that doesn't make the playoffs, let alone contend, and uh, you wind up giving up that one of uh, those uh, assets you gave up, uh, four assets, but one, uh, three assets in all, and one of them in this year's draft, boy, oh boy. Um, that, yeah. that, that's a very costly. Uh, I'm uh, with you. Yeah, so that's, that's a – I was a little surprised. It's a gamble. They had, it's a gamble. Uh, they, yeah, when they got Smith, I said, well, they're going to go and find a steady Eddie, uh, healthy, a guy they don't have to worry about health-wise to back him up, and when they made the trade for Eddie Lank, it's just like, wow, is, is that good enough? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I thought they were going to get that more of a right. goalie, uh, personally. So, um, all right, well, next week we'll get Or even a number to, one you know, goalie. There were, I mean, remember. Yeah. Remember, there were a few goalies that changed. Scott Darling was available. Ben Bishop was available. There's, there's, there were goalies out there. And the direction that they went right. the instead of is, is, instead is, of I mean, getting Mike it, Smith, yes, absolutely. If they were, if, yeah, I mean, we we've seen the last yeah, few no. years, and JD JD kind of hit on it uh, with with the rotating number one there. Um, it's been tough. I'll, I'll say, ever since Clint Larchuk left as their goalie coach, it's been kind of a carousel of goaltending in Calgary. So. Um, that's that's my question with that team. There were some other options out there, and they paid a big price. And don't don't forget, Mike Smith has a, a salary cap north of six million dollars, so that also is another factor to uh, contend with in that deal. So I don't know; it's a question mark. For and I, and I'll give you I'll give you another irony. I think of their thinking going after Mike Smith. I just mentioned before how they put all their chips. It seems like well, they put a lot of chips on the season. 
I think the irony is, I think one of the reasons they went after Mike Smith is he's got two more. He's number one goalie, obviously, but he's got just two more years to go, and and they have two young kids in um, uh, Tyler Parsons and John Gillis, who are not only are they both uh, in the hockey news as top fifty prospect list. There's only, I believe, three goalies on that list, and they have two of them. So they probably view the future, the near future, if you will, of those two kids being their tandem. But so in one breath, they might have been looking at the future in terms of ultimately deciding, you know, to go after Mike Smith, who they only have to commit the next two years to, versus a Ben Bishop, who could have been five or six years, or even a Scott Darling, who's probably at least four years. But then in the next breath, they're trading these very high draft picks um, for Travis. As Hammond. a win now so philosophy. It, it, yeah, it's, it's kind of it, it's kind of strange, you know. And and maybe at the end of the day, they it's a little convoluted. That, that's if you just will. A, they maybe they'll they would say to us, well, that's just a coincidence. We actually like Mike Smith better than Ben Bishop or better than Scott Dawling. Um, so that's probably what they I guess they would tell us. I don't know if we had some truth serum. Uh, what they would tell us, but uh, you know, next week we'll have we'll have Dana back on his usual spot. Obviously, hockey kicks off on. Uh, we'll also have Rob Sawyer on. We'll stick with a, a Pacific nice. Division guest, Rob of the Hockey Writers, who's been on the show uh, numerous times to talk about these Edmonton Oilers, and we'll dig deep into um, what he sees, uh, what he likes, and what he's a little concerned about and get his thoughts also on the Pacific and the league in general, how things are going to uh, play out. I saw an article the other day of uh, people saying that they thought that there, and th- this is trade deadline aside, they thought there would be more trades this year than we've had, uh, much more trades this year than we've had in seasons past. Well, that's really not saying much because usually is like maybe there's one trade. So I don't know if that what that means exactly. I don't think we're going to go to a bonanza. But uh, you know, we'll we'll have to see how that all that plays plays out. So uh, uh, anyway, looking forward to that show as well. Yep, and and we are out of time for the week. So just make sure you you guys all remember to follow us on Twitter at Vegas Hockey Pod. Make sure you follow Chris on Twitter as well for all of his New York Islanders content that he links to the Ion Isles page uh, at the NL King on Twitter, and uh, as always, follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Blog Talk Radio. Make sure you get over to the Hockey Writers, GrandstandSportsNetwork.com, and Russ Cohen Sports Aussie page on SoundCloud if you're looking for places to find us. We're all over out there. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, we had some feedback about our audio quality, and we thought we had it fixed, but it, uh, apparently we, we still have work to do on that. Uh, all of your feedback, good and bad, is appreciated uh, the only way we're going to get better is to listen to our listeners and try and try and improve on what we need to improve on mark warner at vegas hockey podcast.com is where you can send your emails questions complete we thank everybody for listening for chris on mark we're